Hello and welcome to the Mental Debriefing Podcast. My name is Peter Tam and today we are doing a book review. Uh, the book in question in review is Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back. It's written by David Arvin. He is a consultant regarding marketing and the customer experience. He also gives keynote speeches at uh, various uh, business type events. So let's get to the book. The date is October 5th, October 6th, 2020. And it's about 12 a.m. right now. So let's get to it. Okay, so continuing on. How I ended up with reviewing this book and how I ended up reading this book. David Arvin was a speaker at a real estate conference that I attended and he's an expert regarding um, basically marketing yourself and and how to stand out what gives clients customers a good experience how to keep them uh, coming back and using your services things of that nature and I thoroughly enjoyed his speech so afterwards when the presentation was over I proceeded to purchase one of his books which was why customers leave and how to win them back that was about a year ago so, as you know, when I read, I, ex- I sometimes uh, read multiple books at once, uh, skipping around uh, between books, and that, of course, takes a bit longer, so I read the book in chunks. And overall, this book was a very entertaining book. I like the way that David wrote the the book, how things are worded. He gives a lot of anecdotal examples uh, that clearly illustrates um, how companies fail in customer service and how they can improve on those failings. Um, overall, a lot of the stuff regarding um, why why customers don't don't like certain things or, or how, how they uh, how their impression is um, myself as a consumer I often feel a lot of those things that he's describing in the book so on the consumer end of the things I definitely uh, understood a lot of uh, what he was saying but it was good reading it from um, the the standpoint of a realtor and the standpoint of a business and how to improve uh, on that end. So with that said, let's uh, talk about uh, overall, I I think um, uh, I had an incomplete sentence there, but uh, overall with that said, let's Let's get to some key examples 
of uh, what I enjoyed with the book. I'm going to... He, he gives uh, several stories out, um, like 15, 20 stories out. And then each chapter is like an example and and how, uh, how you can learn from those examples. So we'll go through a... Go through a few, and then um, we'll take it from there. Overall, um, I, I'd give the book about a 3.5 out of 5. It's not a life-changing book, but it's good for fine-tuning a lot of things, especially when it comes to both um, how, how clients see you if you're, if you're in a business as well as on a uh, personal level, how other people see you and how to present yourself better, both uh, professionally as well as personally. So, with that in mind, so I'm going to go over a few stories that that I like from the book. Um, Obviously, obviously uh, he has tons more stories. These are just the ones that I enjoyed and kind of spoke to me. One of the stories, of course, is um, the... Hold on one second. Okay, now, one of the stories, of course, is that he was doing consulting on a company that was a, um, that manufactured portable solar power generators. And on the on the uh, website, of course, um, instead of talking about the benefits of why, uh, why, as a customer, you should buy a personal solar generator, he, this, um, the owner of this company, uh, he talked a lot about his mission statement and saving the earth and why he started the company and things like that. Which um, really, it, it didn't really speak to the customer. Uh, obviously, um, not obviously, because in this case, this guy didn't do it. But many times when you're trying to market something, you want to market it towards your customer and, and not uh, you. It's, it's about what the customer uh, would benefit from, what the customer wants to read, which is um, how... What are the benefits to them rather than how it would benefit you? So, uh, basically, uh, what I got about got out of that is um, personally, when I was starting off um, uh, as a realtor, I also made a lot about um, why I went into real estate and. Um, you know how I wanted to help people and things like that, and I felt there was a 
missing element of education involved regarding real estate and I wanted to you know bridge that gap because when you're a first time home buyer uh, you really don't know what the heck's going on so um I wanted to bridge that gap uh but um as as illustrated here uh from the story the the portable solar generator business did not um did not have a lot of business so the the main thing was that um he needed to focus on why buying a personal solar uh, solar generator would benefit the uh, consumer for example if uh you know if the power grid goes down then then you obviously have reliable energy ready to go so it makes perfect sense that would be from a customer standpoint why would i want to buy it right and then you give them a reason why they should buy it whereas if you're busy talking about how you want to save the world and you're doing this and that and and uh, you're trying to you're you're trying to <laughs> uh be a better person, et cetera, et cetera, and you want to, you know, have a company where you're excelling and, and that type of thing, and, and that's your mission in life. People, they, they really don't want to hear that. Your customers, they don't really want to hear that. They want to hear why it benefits them. So in your marketing, you have to focus in on that. It's not what you want to say. It's what... Uh, the customer needs to hear, wants to and needs to hear. So, personally, I felt that uh, that was very important. Uh, next up, of course, there is... Uh, give me one second here. Regarding service, people frequently get annoyed when, from the consumer standpoint, of course, when more and more of the responsibility of the work involved is transferred from the um, cus from the customer to the, uh, I mean, from the business to the customer. So basically, stop making us do the work, which David Arvin puts in here as the title of his chapter. And then he gives an antidote between um, uh, basically when he went to the airport and the TSA pre-checked it and um, put his boarding pass to the gate agent 
and the the rep said, uh, oh, you'll need to call member services to get that fixed. And then he was already at the counter. And he was like, why can't you just do that? Um, since he was already there. But of course, um, he was turned away and he had to juggle through a bunch of different departments. And he had to call this call, <laughs> call this and that. Um, you know, as from a cu- customer standpoint, especially when you're in uh airline passenger and you're ready to go on a trip you don't want to call a bunch of um a, a bunch of different uh uh you know a bunch of different numbers to correct something that the airline themselves made a mistake on and then another one of the examples he used was um When you're, of course, uh, going to a buffet restaurant and the waiter at the buffet or waiter, waitress, they basically do like a quarter of the work, a half to a quarter of the work. Because in a buffet restaurant, you have to get the food yourself. Whereas in the conventional restaurant, the waiter waitress brings the food to you yeah of course both um in a buffet restaurant as in a full service restaurant they there's a bus boy or bus girl waitress who buses the table but uh regarding the food itself and bringing the food that is where the um Basically, you're doing it yourself. So his whole point in that story is, why should I be expected to tip at 20%? And why should the waiter, waitress, be expecting 20% when, uh, of course, they're doing um, far less of the work than in a full-service restaurant? Which makes complete sense. You know, when, when we see... Uh, these days regarding um, businesses and fees that they charge you can you can see it there's there's a feeling of getting ripped off because um, a lot of times during in automation and with the rise of the internet and things like that things are faster but then the customer sometimes has to do a lot of things themselves. Um, for example, in insurance, when you have a, a claim, uh, in the past you would call the call the um, your insurance agent, and then they would uh, jot down briefly what the claim was, and then they send it to the claims office where another party goes over it with you uh, regarding what happened, another, a claim rep talks to you regarding what happened, and then if they want further details, then they would have to do a recorded statement, so you basically end up having to tell your story three times or more, but now uh, that things are automated, there is a step that is cut out, which is the part where you talk to the agent, 
um, the first step, and then you enter all the information yourself, and then it gets sent directly to the to the uh, claims office. And many times, of course, uh, while that's a faster and more efficient process, the customer also feels, um, you know, they don't know what they're missing out on, basically. They don't know how it's benefiting them because they feel uh, while they're entering all this information, why am I doing this all myself? Um, whereas in the past, they would be talking to us, to the insurance agent or the insurance agent secretary who would be jotting down all the preliminary information. Uh, now, of course, they're jotting down the information themselves. It's a quicker process, but the customer feels that they're getting ripped off by that. So you have to... You have to make sure in business that the customers don't perceive your actions as uh, your your business procedures as ripping them off. Otherwise, they'll be asking for discounts all day, and it's not a value-added value situation. It's a value reduction Um And then the third thing, of course, a third example a third concept that last insurance thing that was uh something that example is something I thought of myself um, uh, because I've worked in the insurance industry and then in the in the re real estate industry as a realtor. In the past, of course, the realtor themselves would have to, um, they would actually go through like, uh, like books, I shouldn't, and, um, like binders of, of, um, listings. There would be like a listing binder of all the available listings, um, in that area, the, the area that, uh, the customer is looking for. And the cu customer, the realtor would be finding the house for the customer. Uh, these days with uh, sites like Redfin, Redfin and Zillow, the customers themselves, oftentimes they're the ones that uh, look at the, the house and they're aware of what's on the market even faster than the realtor is. Um, so that it's, it's more efficient that way rather than um, having the realtor... Uh, you know, look at things through through the realtor's database, the MOS, and then send out emails to the customer. Uh, but then, with that in mind, the customer is very uh, appre. The customer wants discounts, and they they see less of the value of the realtor because uh, instead of <laughs> instead of the realtor trying to find them a house, they're finding the house themselves. So they're like. Why is the realtor making this commission when I'm doing half the work? And then, and then, like in the past, uh, especially you know when you're working with buyers, the the realtor would would uh, put the put the uh, 
the buyer in their car and then transport them to various houses to look at houses. Nowadays, of course, there's COVID and even before that, it was um, it was becoming a rarer and rarer practice that the uh, that the realtor and the customer would be in the same car. Oftentimes, it was just oh yeah, um, you know they would go in separate cars and then meet me at this address, then we'll go to this address. So both parties are in two separate cars. Um, so again, like in the past, the the realtor would be transporting the the person around. But uh, nowadays, of course, the the customer is actually transporting themselves around. So again, the customer feels that it's the customer values the work of the realtor less, even though now it's more efficient. Um, so that's another example of uh, the perceived. Uh, while things are more efficient, the customer doesn't necessarily like to do th- things themselves when they're tra- when they're paying money to to get things done. Obviously, realtors do a whole bunch of uh, other stuff like negotiations, acting as a liaison, make sure the, making sure the customer is aware of uh, legal ramifications of things. Um, uh, you know, disclose disclosing things that the customer does that the buyer doesn't know they need to know, but they should know, stuff like that. Um, but the customer doesn't know that, so <laughs> so so all they can see is the surface level things like oh, I'm transporting myself to see all these houses, um, even though you know they're probably following your car um, as a realtor. And of course, I'm looking. I'm trying to find out these houses all by myself, and you're not. You're not really helping. I can just go to Zillow, right? So why am I paying you? So there's a lot of that um, because of automation. And so it's important to uh, um, make sure the customer knows what they're what they're paying for. Um, and on the business side. What you have to clearly communicate what you're providing to the customer, so they don't feel that they're being, um, you know, left out and they're getting ripped off due to all the automation. Finally, the uh, the third example. Obviously, there's um, you know there's like twenty twenty more examples, but. Um, We'll go through one more uh, that I felt was very important. Show us that you care about the business. That's uh, which is um, Mr. Arvin. Uh, they uh, he talked about uh, he used the example of um, shows like Bar Rescue where. Bar Rescue, um, if you've seen it, um, it stars John Taffer as a bar consultant. And then he goes into these various bars and um, bar and grills. 
and he, you know, tries tries to figure out what's wrong with them, uh, acting like a consultant. It's obviously uh, edited a bit more exciting on TV, and then, um, you know, he gets upset at the uh, bar owners, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and then there's a lot of screaming involved. It's a really great show, Bar Rescue, um, but uh, at the core of it, a lot of the basic things he tells the, uh, whether it's the restaurant or the bar, is that they need to keep the place clean first and foremost. That's the most basic thing to do. Forget about, um, you know, uh, what type of drink program you have or uh, what type of menu items you have. The first, first and most important thing, of course, you need to show that you care about your business. You need to keep the place clean, because if the one uh, if the uh, bathroom is not uh, clean, which uh, David Arvin used that example, um, if if you go to a restaurant and you had a great experience at a restaurant, great food, then you go to the uh, bathroom and it's a disaster inside, really dirty, smelly, etc. Then that will um, haunt the experience for the customer. Uh, way more than all the positives that they had um, throughout the rest of their experience. And of course, that's of course a great uh, example. Um, you have to keep the place clean as a, uh, con- as a business because if, um, you know, if the seating area is dirty then the customer may think that the kitchen is dirty and the food is not clean. When in fact, maybe the kitchen is uh, spotless inside, but then outside the restaurant's kind of dingy, the seating area is kind of dingy, then it may have a negative impact uh, on the the customer's perceptions of the restaurant and the food, even though the food itself was clean. So... You have to make sure your business is clean. Make sure you care about your business. Uh, Another example that David Arvin uses is that uh, when you go to a dental office, if you, uh, you know, you're in the waiting room and then you see that the ceiling tiles are messed up and the, the waiting area magazines are all a mess and there's uh, stains on the carpet or whatever (laughs) everything looks disheveled and 1970s Um, in that case that may have an impact on how the patient feels um, how, how you feel when you go in and get dental work done your impression of the establishment and the, and the dentist may be impacted um, by the looks of the waiting room. Your your impression of the dentist's expertise may be impacted by, um, you know, how clean the waiting room is, things like that. And, you know, you, as the dentist... They don't want to have the customer perceive that their work is second rate. 
because the waiting room is um, disheveled or whatever. So it's important to to keep things in order, show that you care about your business. Um, on a personal note, um, you know, I'm not the most organized person in the world. And, you know, when I, when I uh, obviously show clients uh, through real estate or when I do DoorDash or things like that, if my front seat area, if my car is uh, messy inside or disorganized, they, the customer would have a negative impact, a negative impression on my delivery abilities. You know, say say you order a pizza or you order from DoorDash or whatever, and then the delivery driver, their car is way messy inside, there's trash, um, empty cans of soda, um, empty, empty water bottles, empty Gatorade bottles, um, all on the inside, and the, the seat itself has a bunch of paperwork, and and uh, some unwashed clothes, things like that. And, and then, you know, you're, you're waiting outside your car. I mean, you're waiting outside your house, and then you can, uh, they're pulling up to see. Um, I mean, you can see them pull up uh, with the food. And then you can see that their car is all disheveled and totally a mess inside. You might have an impression that uh, the food handling was unsafe um, based on the car's messiness. So that's obviously not good. Now, whether it does or not, you know, it obviously doesn't because, or I shouldn't say obviously, but chances are it isn't because the food itself is in a bag and then that keeps the thing warm, which, um, the delivery drivers, they only put food in there anyways. And and furthermore, beyond that, um, the restaurant itself puts the food in another bag. And then, and then each item of the food is in separate containers as well. So uh, the chances that the food would be, would be contaminated by the actual delivery driver is very, very slim unless he actually like opens the food up because it's several layers and containers before you get to the food itself. Uh, but because his car was messy or whatever, then the customers have an adverse um, impression of the services that he provided. So yeah, you have to care about the business and you need to do the basic things if you're a restaurant, keep things clean. Um, basically, <laughs> a lot of businesses, you have to keep things clean and organized and uh, do the little things well so people will have faith that you do the big things well. Overall, it was a um, entertaining book. I, uh, you know, I like reading a lot of these business and uh, pop sociology books 
that there's a lot of cool anecdotal stories and stuff that you can draw from and learn from. I really like uh, those types of books and I had a good time reading it and yeah I forgot how much I paid for it like 20 bucks it was like a hardcover copy or 10 bucks or 15 bucks um uh but yeah he signed the thing it was autographed by him but overall it was worth it was worth it it was good entertainment um and I did learn things from from the book. Uh, was it life-changing information? Probably not. It's a lot of customer service information, but um, it just drills home some points that um, both on a professional as well as a personal level that I can improve upon. So yeah, I give the book uh, 3.5 out of 5. Um, regarding a rating and overall a, uh, a good book so if you're looking uh, you know if you run your own business or you're a 1099 employee somewhere or uh, you you like reading books about uh, business and customer service and things like that then this may be the book for you Yep, that's all I have to say about that. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mental Debriefing Podcast. If you would like to follow me on social media, I am at Instagram at uh, Vision of Tam. That's Vision of T A M, all one word. And if you want to send me an email, um through the podcast if you will have some questions about various things uh, mental debriefing at gmail.com thank you for listening and catch you guys at another episode see ya take care drive safe